Good morning, Crossroads. It is good to worship together. It's good to be together. I I long for the day when we're in this room together again, but I'm grateful that in this day of age of cancellations, of postponements, of quarantine, of safer at home, that the church cannot be canceled. The body of Christ cannot be canceled. And we have this avenue that we can still be together, that we can still worship together, that we can still hear a word from the Lord, even in these times. And I believe that the Lord has a word for us this morning. I do wanna reiterate what Elaine said earlier, that if there's any need that you have, the church, the church leadership, we wanna join you in prayer for that. So you can text it to this number on the screen right now. And we will be in, our prayer team will be in prayer for you right now as we receive those texts. If you have your Bible there in your living room, turn to John chapter 20. That's where we're gonna be this morning. Uh, We're gonna be talking about what came right after Easter. A week ago, we celebrated Easter. And I wanna talk to you this this morning about the morning after, the morning after, the morning after. Maybe if you're like me, there there are big events that happen in life. And as those events uh, come closer to actually happening, I have this thing well up in my soul, well up in, in my being that I kind of dread when it's over. When, I, when I'm reading a book, when I, when, I, when I start to get close to the end, I start dreading the end of it because it's now what? And in, in graduations, you graduate from high school, you graduate from college and it's this huge event. And then it's now what? In marriage, you have this event that you plan for months and it happens. And we even have this phrase for it of the honeymoon is over. Reality has happened. Now what? When you have a child, you're at the hospital and the doctors come and they show you this baby and it's this great day of celebration. And then they hand this baby to you and you realize they actually expect for me to take this child home. Now What? And that's where we are. We have these now what's in life. The disciples had these now what's in life that we're gonna talk about this morning. Let's pray as we open the word. God, I'm, I'm grateful for your word that you give us. We believe, we confess, we profess that your word is living, that it is active, that it is constantly changing who we are, calling us into greater things, that it pierces hearts, that it pierces souls, that it brings conviction into our lives. And so as we open your word this morning, we ask that you would move, that you would stir, that you would call us into something greater in the name of Jesus the resurrected son, the church said, and right there in your living room, you can say, amen. Here's what the word says in John chapter 20. We're gonna start in verse 19. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked, the doors locked. You see, you're not the first person that's been in your house with the doors locked. We're not the first people that have been called into quarantine that have been called into safer at home. The disciples had their doors locked because they weren't sure now what. They had just seen their leader executed on a cross. Now what? It wasn't just about losing their leader. Their expectations had been crushed. All the plans that they had had for the last three years had been crushed. It wasn't long ago, you remember in scripture, it wasn't long ago that there was arguments over who is going to be sitting at the right hand of Jesus when he comes into his reign. And now that same Jesus has been killed and there's rumors of his resurrection that some of them had seen the empty grave, the empty tomb. And now we're sitting in a room 
room with doors locked, wondering what's next, wondering are the expectations that we had ended. You see, this wasn't the first storm in the last three years that they had been through with with Jesus, but it was the first storm in the last three years that they had been through without Jesus. And they weren't sure what was gonna happen next. The expectations that they had for life had been crushed. Much like our expectations that we have in life have been shifted over the last month. You didn't expect your finances to change. You didn't expect your bank account to change. You didn't expect for your job status to change. You didn't expect for schools to be canceled for the the rest of this semester. You didn't expect for graduation to be postponed or to be said that it's going to be virtual. You didn't expect to be laid off. You didn't expect to have to lay people off. You didn't expect to be at home as the principal, as the teacher, as the daycare worker for your children now. Our expectations have shifted and we ask the question, now what? It wasn't just the death of the Messiah that had changed their lives. It was the death of the expectations that they had for the Messiah that had changed their life. And this is what scripture says in the the next sentence. It says, the doors were locked for fear of the Jews. The doors were locked for fear of what was going to happen. You see, when when we react in panic, when we react in fear, we don't think clearly. The the disciples had had been through storms with Jesus. They had been through uh, the storms where Jesus is sleeping. And the disciples say, Jesus, how can you sleep in a time like this? Peter's walked on water with Jesus. He's been called out to it. And when his eyes shifted from his faith to his fear, he sank. Peter's been called into denial by Jesus out of his fear for what was going to happen to him. Because when we allow our fear to become our focus, we don't think clearly. And that's where the disciples were right now. Their eyes were fixed on their fear rather than their faith. And so the clarity of their thought had shifted because they had seen firsthand the power of a crucifixion. Jesus wasn't the first person that they had seen crucified. You see, the Romans had worked for years and years and years, and they had even stolen this idea from the Persians of of a perfected way to execute someone that would allow them to, to stay alive, to feel enough pain so that people that saw it would be turned away by it. The rumors, in fact, in Magdala, Mary Magdalene, where she was from, the rumors in Magdala of over 3,000 people being crucified in one day had penetrated their community with fear for what the cross brought to a person. And so now they had seen their Messiah crucified on a cross and they're wondering, are we next? And their fear had captivated their hearts and caused them to lock the doors their biggest issue wasn't the locked doors. The biggest issue for the disciples was their fear because fear infects our souls like no other virus before. And when fear becomes what our eyes are fixed on, we don't think clearly. In fact, um, Max Licato uses this quote that, that, that he quotes from someone else. And it's, it says this, it says, 
If you feed your fear, your faith will starve. But if you feed your faith, your fears will. And when we feed our faith, we remember that God had already given the promise for what was going to happen. Even, even in the, the stories that I, that I mentioned before, God had already given the promise to the disciples for what was going to happen. When they get in the boat before the great storm that I mentioned, Jesus says, we're going to the other side. When he calls Peter out on the water, he says, come to me. When, Peter, when, when, when Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me, he also says this at the end. He says, when you return. And before his crucifixion, Jesus had told them multiple times, I am going to die. And three days later, you see the promise had been given already to the disciples for the problems they were about to enter. And it hasn't changed today. When we enter problems, the promise of the faithfulness of God has already been given to go with us through those promises that take us into the power of God. It's the promises of God that go with us through a problem that lead us to the power of God. And the power of God doesn't mean that our problem is gonna be ended. It means that the presence, that the faithfulness of God will be present through our problem and that he will never leave through that. And it shifts our focus from fear to faith. It shifts our focus. And that's, that's why scripture so many times says this word. I want you to say it with me in your living room. Say, remember, 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 remember. Because we see it over and over again in scripture where God calls his people back to remember the promises, remember the stories, remember the power, remember the presence that has already been given in history to the people to take them into the present that leads the presence of God into what we are going through. And so the promise of Corona or the problem of Corona, the problem of COVID doesn't eliminate the promise of God that is greater than the problem. And that promises his faithfulness to take us into it. You see, as Robert Madu says, we have history with God. We have history with God that's already shown us what's on the other side of this. See, I'm grateful that we serve a God who was human enough to feel our pain, but was God enough to heal it. He was human enough to feel the storm, but he was God enough to speak to it. He was human enough to face death, but he was God enough to triumph it. He was human enough to feel the weight of sin and he was God enough to crush it. And so that's why we can say what the apostle says in 1 Corinthians 15 of who can save us from this body of death. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, death, where is your sting? Thanks be to God. And we declare that too, because we have history with God. And it doesn't mean that we don't acknowledge the fear that's there, but it means that our focus is shifted to the faith, to the promise that has been given to take us into, to take us through the problem that has been put in front of us. And so as we sit with locked doors, now what? And that's where the miracle happens because this is the next thing in the text. It says, 
It says, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. And I don't know what that looked like. You know, I want you to get an image of in, in your head for, for if you were sitting in that room, uh, my, my mind thinks it's this dark room. Maybe there's a lantern lit. There's not a lot being said in the room. Everybody's kind of sitting around. They're staring at each other and Jesus comes. I don't know if he came to the wall. I don't know if he just appeared, but you can imagine the thoughts that all of a sudden start going through people's head when Jesus showed up, that through the locked doors, Jesus shows up and this is the first word he speaks. He says, peace. He says, peace. And I'm grateful that we serve a God that there is no door strong enough, that there is no lock strong enough, that the presence of God can't break through to stand in the middle of our room and say, peace, peace be with you. Because what the now what is, is the shame that some of the disciples felt. Peace has been spoken to it, to the fear that all of the disciples felt that peace has been spoken to it. And this is what the text says. It says, the disciples were overjoyed. When they hear hear that word spoken over them, the disciples were overjoyed, that their focus shifted from the fear. It shifted from the locked doors and it goes on to the savior who is now standing in their midst. And they are overjoyed because of the presence of Jesus. And I'm grateful that we serve the same God that walks through our walls, that walks through our locked doors, that walks through the bolts, the chains, the things on our hearts. And he speaks peace into that. And this is what he says. After he speaks peace the second time, it says, and with that, he breathed on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so in our fear right now, in our unknowns, in our now what's right now, in our questions, it's the same word of Jesus that meets us. And he says, receive, receive. And so I wanna ask you church, are, are you willing to receive what Jesus, what God, what the Holy Spirit has to breathe over you right now? Because as he stands in your mix, that's what, that's what he invites you to. Through your locked doors, he invites you to that. Receive his presence, receive his power. He speaks peace to push out fear. It doesn't, it doesn't eliminate fear. You see, there, there, there's still this tension that we live in, that there's fear and there's faith. But what our faith does is it fixes our eyes and it becomes a filter for how we see our fear. But when our eyes are fixed on fear, it filters out our faith to how we see our fear. So Jesus says, receive, peace be with you and receive this. You see, my mind, when it comes to peace, my mind has always thought that peace is is this place of tranquility. It's It's this place of stillness. And I think that is a large aspect of peace. But the more that I read this story this week, what I see is, is that peace is also a weapon, that peace is a weapon of our faith that we use to fight against the evil one, 
that when Jesus faces this storm on the seas, it is peace that crushes the power of the storm. And he invites us into that same weapon that is the peace of Christ. That is the peace of God that becomes our weapon to crush the enemy's power, to shift our focus back to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In fact, Paul puts it this way in Philippians. He says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It is the weapon that guards our hearts, that guards our minds in Christ Jesus. Will you receive it as he speaks it over you this morning? Will you receive it as he breathes it over you this morning? As he breathes what Jesus calls abundant life into greater things. Because as the promises of God take us through the problems of this world, we meet the power of God from his promise into abundant life. It shifts our focus from our fear into overjoy. It shifts our focus from our fear into the faithfulness, into the presence, into the triumph of God, where we can stand as one voice, as one body, as 1 Corinthians 15 says, and says, where is your sting? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. And it pushes us into our mission. It pushes us into not just staying in our locked doors, but into what can we do to speak this into other people as well. I love, I love the, create, the creativity that we've seen just in four weeks from the body of Christ. Because I really think one of the things that the spirit that, that God is calling us to right now is to not just hope that when we are able to meet again, to not just hope that when normalcy restores, that we are in the same place, but God is calling us into greater things. He's calling the church into greater things. He's calling our creativity into greater things for what the church looks like. And we are called to enter into that now, not to wait for, but we're called to enter into it now. So as you sit there, what are the things that he's calling your marriage into now? With this beautiful time that you've been given, what are the things that he's calling you to as a mother, as a father into now to speak into your children that you would have never had that opportunity before? For friends, and maybe it's on Zoom, maybe it's on FaceTime, however it is that you can speak into your friends now that you've never felt like you had the time to now. And my prayer, my hope is that when all of this six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is from now, when this normalcy sets back in, that we now have these disciplines that, that have been rooted in our hearts, that have been rooted in our lives, that are now part of our life. When before, maybe it was just something that we didn't have the time to add to our life. But now the word of God is centered. It is, it is one of the core things of our life. Our prayer time is centered. It is one of the core things of our life. The time with my spouse, the time with my children is now one of the core things of my day when we sit around the table and we can talk like we never did before. 
that now when I enter back into the workplace, I take these things with me and I call other people into the things that Christ has called me into because that's the way the gospel works. When God pours into us, we can't help but pour into other people. And it, that peace of God that transcends all understanding calls us into the mission set before us because of what Christ has breathed over us and invited us to receive. And so here's one of my prayers. I, I really feel like uh, last week I spoke this to the worship team, but I wanna speak it to the church this morning. Don't let your readiness for this to be over cause you to miss the miracles and the evidence and the hand of God at work on this journey. Don't let your readiness to get to the end of this cause you to miss the faithfulness and the presence of God that he is speaking and inviting you into where you're at right now. My, my mind goes to, to when uh, the Israelites are standing before this sea and they see the problem behind them coming. And the Lord tells Moses, put your, put your staff in the water. And then the sea parts. And I, as they're walking through this, I know some of them are looking behind them. Are the Egyptians coming? All I wanna do is get to the other side. But if you, if you can put yourself there, put, imagine your feet on the dirt, on the mud, on the dry ground that they're walking through right now. And the miracle of the moment, as you look and, it, and it's a, a wall of water and you look over here and it's a wall of water and my mind can't help but think what an awesome wonder the hand of God did in that moment. And I truly believe that in the face of COVID, that in the face of Corona, that in the face of job losses, that in the face of economic turmoil, that the Lord is speaking, that he is weaving, that he is moving, that he is stirring, and that there are miracles happening right now that will be testimonies of faith on the other side of this. And this is what the Lord says about testimony in John. He says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And what is the Lord speaking to you right now on this journey? Peace be with you. Let's pray. God, as we open your word this morning, stir our hearts, God. Stir our hearts. May our eyes be fixed on you, the author, the perfecter, of our faith. The struggles that we have with fear, the struggles that we have with all of the chaos and the, the turmoil going on around us, the struggle that we have watching the news and, and hearing all of these things come up, would you uh, not allow the news to filter our faith? May our, may our eyes, may our thoughts be captivated by the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And just in this moment of stillness, of silence, would you speak to us? And would you speak the same message 
that you speak to the disciples in their locked room. Peace be with you and receive. And God, I ask that you breathe over your church this morning. Would you breathe over your church in this city, in this county, in our country, in our world? I pray that you are bringing about a revolution in the name of Jesus Christ, that the church would would be entering into who you call her to be, that love, that truth, that courage and strength would rise up. And would rise up. That we would be the bride of Christ. Feet that are ready to take the message that you place on our hearts. In the name of Jesus, the resurrected son, we pray and we enter into song. Amen.